Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Impossible Podcast. Today's guest is Icelandic ultra runner Elizabeth Margis Dodder. I really hope I said that right. As I mentioned, she's an ultra runner, and she recently won the Ultra Gobi 400-kilometer race, a 400-kilometer race across the Gobi Desert in China. I was in Iceland and asking around to interview athletes that I should talk to, and my friend Mike Wardian, who I had early on in the podcast, uh, mentioned Elizabeth's name, and I looked into her, and it was incredible what she went through. I love talking about her story, kind of how she got into ultra running, and then everything about the ultra gobian, everything that it takes uh, from the prep to just being in it for days at a time. It's a completely self-supported race. I think they have about 50 people that they actually let into the race, so it's pretty exclusive club, and she won it. So it's a pretty badass story. She's a great guest. I love talking to her. But before we get into today's show, I have a few announcements to make. First of all, if you guys haven't got an Impossible shirt, we have a new Impossible shirt available. It's up for pre-order right now, but it's a new sweat-activated Impossible shirt. The idea is that at first glance, it's just a blank shirt. It's got Impossible HQ on the back shoulder, but when you take it and you go work out, and you actually put in the work, and you go push your limits, you'll start sweating. And when you sweat, the Impossible logo is activated, and it starts to show up. And then on the back, there's a quote that will show up as well that says, it's always impossible until it's done. It's awesome. I've got an announcement video that I'll link to on the site that actually shows what this looks like in action, but it's available for pre-order right now because we want to be able to get this done and printed and sent out. It's available for pre-order for the rest of the week because we want to get them done and delivered to you guys by Christmas. That's our goal. So we're going to be doing a pre-order run right now. And then after that, they won't be available until 2019. So if you guys want to get your special edition sweat activated and possible shirt to knock out your next workout and keep pushing your limits, check it out at impossiblegear.com. I'll put a link in the show notes, but you're not going to want to miss this shirt. Second of all, if you have any aspirations to push your limits and do a 400-kilometer ultra Gobi race or even just your next marathon 5K or whatever the next thing is on your impossible list, you need to be doing mobility work. You need to be taking care of your body. And 10-minute mobility routines from MoveWell are the best way to do this. I created MoveWell when I got hurt after my first race and I started implementing it into my workouts. And mobility was really the number one thing that changed not just how far I was able to push myself, but how I was able to do it in a sustainable way and be able to do multiple races over a very short amount of time. I've kept doing mobility work as I've transitioned a little bit away from running and into lifting a little bit more recently, but it's still helpful. So we have mobility routines designed around your specific goal, whether it's injury prevention, whether it's improving your running, whether it's getting ready for a hard workout. We've designed the routines to help you get stronger, get faster, and start moving well. So check it out. It's a free app to download so you can test it out. And we have a bunch of new things coming up with MoveWell down the road as well. Also, if you guys aren't subscribed yet, what are you doing? Go ahead on over to iTunes, click subscribe. If you're just downloading the episode on its own, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Check out all the recent episodes and a bunch of new episodes coming to you every single Tuesday. All right, guys. So that's it for announcements. Let's get into my interview with Elizabeth Margis Dolto.
right, and we're live. Today, guys, I have Elizabeth Margie's daughter, ultra runner and winner of the Ultra Gobi 400K race that just happened, what, last month? And uh, yeah, so welcome to the Impossible Podcast. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. So I think I put out a shout on social media on who I should talk to, what athletes I should get in touch with while I'm in Iceland. And Mike Wardian mentioned your name and uh, we were able to lock this time down. So I'm excited about this. I thought that the Ultra Gobi thing was like from a couple months back or whatever, but we were just talking right now and you said it was three or four weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Just just finished four weeks ago. <laughs> That's insane. So I think Mike did that, what, last year? Yeah, last year. And he was telling me about it. I was just like, that's intense. But how do you feel, what, four weeks out from a 400-kilometer race? I feel better. I think the recovery took a little bit longer than I <laughs> thought it would. I had done like a long race like this before, two years ago. So I knew what to expect. But what I did now different is that I decided not to run just rests more than I'm used to. So I haven't run in four weeks and it's hard. <laughs> is it hard or is it nice? I think it's necessary to take a time off after a long race like this, 400 kilometers. And uh, yeah, my feet were tired and also the the sleep deprivation, like the lack of sleep. I didn't sleep at all. Wow. How many days? The race took me 97 hours. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time, but we had to do a lot of interesting things during that race and I'm telling people that I slept for four hours I think I slept for almost four hours but I wasn't like actually sleeping the whole time but I was taking naps and I think I managed to sleep maybe once for a full hour during that race so yeah four whole days with just under four hours of sleep was I think yeah, that's the most difficult part is to come back from it. Yeah. So what'd you do right after you finished? Just sleep for like two days straight? No, no, I didn't want to sleep. I just wanted to stay awake. And uh, <laughs> you're so excited when you finish something like this. You just want to talk to people. You just want to... <laughs> you're, you're out there alone. Except like the rest stations. And it was always fun to come into rest stations and see people and tell them how like good you feel or, or how horrible you feel <laughs> and yeah so I finished the race in the middle of the night so it was really hard to like come back into a like hotel room and put myself to sleep like yeah. I was so excited and a lot of adrenaline and uh, did you have any family or friends there at the end no, no. I was so just, you're just going back to the hotel by your <laughs> yeah, own after I was just, you spent I was just alone, but, the but there were people and uh, really good friends there that literally took care of me, like like put me in the car and back to the hotel. You feel so great when you finished like a dream goal like this. And I didn't actually start sleeping well until like a week later, okay. like until I got back home to Iceland. Yeah. But still, when I got back home to Iceland, it was like I was still full of adrenaline. Did you set out to win the race then? Yeah, I did. I wanted to win. I thought it was possible. But I also set like a quite strict time goal, like of 100 hours. And uh, I don't know why I did that. Um, we didn't see the race course until 
just few weeks before the race because the course is unmarked. So we got the GPS file just a few weeks before. And they changed the course every year. And now they did it a lot more difficult than last year. And the course went up to 4,000 meters. Oh, wow. So I don't know how much in... Like 12,000 feet. 12,000 feet, yeah. So it was really high. I never got so high in a race before, like high elevation, just maybe 3,000 something, just above 3,000. So it was much colder. So you were feeling miserable like <laughs> during the nights. It was so cold. So it was more difficult than the year before. So Mike had it easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, easy 400. Yeah, he did the easy, easy <laughs> gopi, ultra gopi. No. We'll tell him that. Yeah. No. And uh, so to do 100K a day, like for four days in these conditions, you can get lost, you can get like bad hallucinations yeah, and also the hot temperatures. And I'm not used to that, but I did some like heat acclimatization before the race. So <laughs> that wouldn't be a big problem. But the freezing temperatures during the night were the most difficult thing. Yeah. What was the farthest race you... You said you did a long race like this yeah, before? Yeah, I did the one in uh, Italy, the Tour de Chante. It's a 330 kilometers and uh, it's in the Alps. So it starts in Courmayeur. That's the... Like you have the Chamonix, you have the Mont Blanc, you have Chamonix in the, on the French side. And then you have Courmayeur on the Italian side. And it goes around the whole Aosta Valle on the Italian side. So it's 330k, and that's a completely different race. It's a mountain race, so you do 24,000 meters of climbing. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's a completely different race, and uh, yeah, I did that two years ago. So I had the experience. I didn't sleep. I maybe slept for three or four hours during that race. Okay. Finished in 113 hours, okay. which was, uh, for me, was a really good time. So... <laughs> So I had something to, in the Gopi Desert, I had something to rely on. like A reference point. Yeah, yeah. What was your background before, like, so you did the 400, you did 330. Like, how'd you get into running? How'd you get into ultra running? And then how did you get to the point where you're like, hey, you know what? I think I'm not just going to run the 400K race, but I'm going to win it. Yeah, that's a good question. My running background is really... Not interesting. It's just very... I started running at when I was 18. And it was just during gym class. We had to do this running task. We had to like run two kilometers in a time. Like I had to finish it in like nine minutes. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I have to do something good in this class. So I started training for that. And that's how it all started. So it's just... Uh, so it was a, the challenge about it that motivate me to run and exercise and uh, and when you start exercising at that age 18 years old you your self-esteem gets better you feel better about yourself you look better like everything gets better when you are when you're running yeah like i think everybody that <laughs> that are regular runners know that you never regret going out for a run so that's just how it started and i did my first marathon in when i was 19 or 20 years old like way too soon like yeah. I should have waited I should have waited and trained more but I just was so excited to do these big challenges and for me like the marathon was like huge just to be able to finish a marathon yeah. and it wasn't until I was 23 or 24 years old I decided to do the 50k ultra here in Iceland and just only really crazy 
experienced runners would like sign up for that race. But I decided to (laughs) try. (laughs) And that was also the first time I started training with a group, like a proper running group with a coach. So then when I started training for that race, like then things started to, I became a better runner and putting more focus on proper training and doing like the tempo runs and doing more structured training. I was doing okay, but it was much like decent training. Yeah, just ad hoc, however you can make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And also just having more friends around you that are doing the same thing motivates you. And I wouldn't be doing uh, what I'm doing unless I had some like buddies or friends doing the same races or training together at some point. What was the uh, impetus for you to do that 50K? Because I find most people, the marathon is like the thing, right? Like, so people, I'm going to run a marathon. That's the thing. And then when I ran my first marathon, I was like, that, I never need to run that far ever again, right? And then as soon as the pain started to wear off, you're like, maybe. And then you start looking at the, you know, the ultra signups or whatever. And you're like, what should I do next? But uh, you did the marathon. What was that next step towards ultras? Because I, th- I find once people are in the ultra world, you just start to realize how big the rabbit hole goes but there's that big step going from and it's it's not that far it's like eight kilometers going from 42k to 50k that kind of starts that descent into madness so what what was that for you of course the the distance excites you and you always like you tend to you want to go longer and, and try longer stuff but there's also just the trail running part of it just to be running um in nature so I think I, that's what I discovered. So I was doing the marathons for some years. And then I did some trail running races, shorter races, before I did the 50K. So that opened a new world for me, that I, it's possible to just do running outside on the trails. And that's much more fun. And uh, <laughs> Understatement there. Yeah, yeah. so it changes everything. And I think that was the reason I wanted to do this trail, like run this 50K. It's the most famous hiking trail in Iceland. I had never hiked it. So I wasn't much of a, like a nature person. I was just running on the street. So starting to exploring your country and, and score by running is a great thing. Yeah. So of course I wanted to sign up for this race. I think the distance was okay. It was intimidating. At that point, like you're running longer than marathon, it's scary. But yeah, I was, I think, excited to like see this beautiful trail. I had never been, like, I'm from Iceland and I had never <laughs> been there. One of the things I, I always tell people whenever I talk about like trail running specifically or, you know, ultra marathons is like the places you get to see that you would never normally see. So, like, maybe you could hike it, but there's some races where you're like, even if you hike that, that's like a, couple day hike if you're doing it on foot and you're just going at like a quick hiking pace but if you run it you can see it in a day you know i did a race in um in switzerland and you end up going up like these two big mountain peaks it's like you're never gonna see those on foot if you just accidentally go like if you're like i'm just gonna go you know walk up the mountain like it's never gonna happen but since you have a race going through it you're like oh i'm gonna see these two mountain peaks in the middle of the day that would never ever happen if you didn't have like ultra marathon just taking you through exactly 
and also you're you're able to see so much in a short time and the races they of course offer eight station yeah. so you have the support when you're doing it so ultra trail races are the greatest thing <laughs> in the world <laughs> <laughs> when did you realize you were actually good at some of this for me you never consider yourself like now i'm good like you always want to get better and and of course you we often underestimate what we are capable of doing but i think maybe like i'm 33 years old maybe five years ago i was like okay i'm gonna try to be competitive yeah. at these ultra races i think i can and with like proper training and if i focus to focus training I can do really good at races yeah. if I'm well prepared. Yeah. Because for me, it's not like I'm very talented. It's just hard work. And uh, like having the experience, like when you've done difficult races, you make a lot of mistakes. You always, <laughs> there's always some <laughs> space to get better every time. I tell people sometimes that I'm not really the fastest. I can just suffer really well. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm just pretty good at suffering. I'm not really good <laughs> at running. I'm pretty good at suffering. I guess that's, I can't understand how some elite ultra runners can go through some like races so fast. Yeah. Like technical races, they they must be on some strong painkillers or something. <laughs> <laughs> or be really good at suffering. Yeah. Definitely. And I think you get used to the suffering and you start to embrace the suffering, but you can't master it in the first races you do. Yeah. So in a 400k race, like the Gobi Ultra, yeah. there's suffering involved there. Like there's definitely like, you didn't sleep for four days. Like yeah. that's enough to make hallucinations happen and a bunch of other stuff. So do you have points in that race that you remember that are like, whoa, that was, that was a moment <laughs> or that you don't remember because you just blacked out like a whole section of the race or any, anything's, you know, specific memories from that race that were like, whoa. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of, but I think my one of my talents in these races are I can stay really focused if I want to. So if I had some hallucinations during the like third or fourth night, like I see them, but I'm still I know what I'm doing. Like I'm following the track, and uh, but yeah, there were times when I was talking to myself and. Uh, and just having really good time, even though I was suffering or feeling low or I just had a good time for four days out there on the course, <laughs> even though like there were moments that were so ridiculous and they made us do like cross some rivers in the middle of the night, like freezing, like my shoes, they literally, they froze. So really? I, I, yeah, it was really hard to take them off at the rest station and yeah there were things you had to like either climb over or, or crawl under the fences like these uh barbed wire fences it's just crazy stuff that you had to do i know people do some like spartan yeah, obstacle races or whatever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was like i had some experience of that in this race but it was fun yeah like you're doing these crazy things and it's so ridiculous then and you see the humor of doing something crazy like this. What, what do you What do you do when you're 48 hours in, and all of a sudden you have to crawl under a fence after you went through a frozen river, and 
you're hungry and you're tired. Like, do you have specific things that you would do to manage those low points or get through them? Or mm, I think, <laughs> as I said, just stay positive. I don't know what I do. I just try to be focused on where I'm going and trying just to get to the next rest station. But I sometimes, like during the night, I use music. So I listen to music and uh, some good tunes can yeah. make a bad race a little bit more bearable <laughs> or bad paths during the race. But I think I never got to the point or made myself go to the point that like I was feeling hopeless or wanted to quit. It was just like getting over the obstacles. Like and when you do, when you can continue after like a bad pads, you feel good. And you can't think of be thinking of, oh, it's ten miles and the rest station. You you have to just be in the moment yeah. and just stay in some flow. I know it's hard to imagine how it is if you haven't done it, but you just have to enjoy every moment of this and just do some motivational talking to yourself do you have things that you tell yourself or like a mantra or like you just mutter to yourself like a crazy person or what's the um i think like no specific mantras but like just keep going keep going or just yeah, like yeah. the dory from uh yeah. finding nemo just keep swimming yeah, just keep swimming. yeah. yeah. something like that <laughs> as far as your mindset going into the race do you have a specific mindset like when you go into a race on like how you approach the race as yes. far as like giving yourself an out or like are you just like, hey, my goal here is I'm going to win this race no matter what or what no, What do you no. think going into the race? I think for this race, because it's so, uh, you put so much effort into it and this is like the A goal of the year for me. So you have to be careful. You don't want to risk anything. And you do your homework, you prepare as well as you can, you organize everything. And maybe I did too much organizing for this, like spent so much time to just plan everything out. But you can't plan things. But still, I wanted to do it. I want, wanted to, the thing is, you visualize the visualization. Visualize the yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before. And you do it like a couple of times and you just see yourself going through the race and just imagine the course imagine the you try to imagine the most difficult situations you can could yeah. have to deal with so you prepare for the worst things like for me it was like i'm going to be there out like alone out in the middle of the night middle of nowhere and i can like see scary things it could be animals it could be some scary anything like people or buildings or anything in the dark so it's just going through that in my my mind and just you you have to decide you're not going to be afraid of anything so like my my main goal for this race was to just stand on the starting line just very brave and like without any fear of anything i was just going to do this yeah but not i think it's not a good idea just to stand on the starting line and just, I'm going to win or I'm going to do it in 100 hours. You have to stay calm. And these ultras are, you can't do stupid things and yeah. go out too fast and, and you you know that. So you have to stick to your plan. But if you have 100K or 150K left and everything is good, you then the race little... starts. <laughs> yeah, I find it's hard for me sometimes to like visualize all the, like the happy things. But I'm really good about visualizing all the terrible things that will happen. And not as a negative thing, but like as a 
like a negotiation technique with the race. Yes, it's going to rain or it's going to snow or I'm going to be freezing and and basically laying out all the things that like could go wrong in a race or like maybe there's a small, small chance of them going wrong, but like just planning on visualizing it happen and then saying like, yeah, I'm okay if that's what the race is going to bring me today. And then being like, literally, I've had a couple of races where I was just getting beat up by the race and I was like, basically tornado force winds, uh, hail, like rain, like everything is just coming at you. And, and at some point in the race, I just started saying like, the only thing that's going to stop me from finishing this race, you know, at this point it was like, it was barely even a race. It was just like survival. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like, but the only thing that's going to stop me from finishing this race is like, if my leg actually breaks in half, if my leg breaks, then I like, I'll give up and I'll, I'll go home. But anything short of that, I literally started saying out loud, I'll take hail, I'll take rain, I'll take the cold, whatever. And then like the rain started coming, then the wind started coming, then the hail started coming. I'm like, okay, I see you race. Like you're trying to get me to quit, but I've already thought through all the bad things that have possibly going to happen to me and I'm okay with them. And so sometimes it's like the visualization of like the epitome of like how great everything's going to doesn't always work for me, but like, Visualizing how bad things can get and being ready for that has really helped me get through the bad times because you know you're expecting that and you're like, yeah, it's part of the race. Yeah, you have to yeah expect the worst and hope for the best yeah. and embrace everything that comes at you. What's your training look like for something like that? Uh, for the Gopi, you can never train enough for Ultra Gopi. <laughs> you're never in the... <laughs> but... Of course, you just train like for uh, just did the same training like for a hundred mile race, but with more like f- like flatter running, so yep. just running more flat running. Not like I was wasn't spending too much time in the mountains, but I did some races like training races before that were like slow technical races, yep. and I was doing much much more strength training than before. Yep. I was just spending three f- to four hours in the gym doing two three to four hours a day no 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 no, oh, no. a was, week oh. a week so you add four hours a week so that's a yeah, lot yeah. like because i always do some strength conditioning work but this was like more so it's just focusing much more on the upper body because we had to carry quite a lot of mandatory gear like a big pack so it's like four or five kilos and uh, i know a lot of people do that in the race like stage races but for me like it was huge different in ultra races. You you always have just very light under a kilo of gear. So this was quite a lot. So I had a really good coach, strength training coach that just put together this great plan. And so I could go through this race with the pack running without any troubles. So back, shoulders, the whole core. So we were doing that twice a week and just lags once a week. I found when I started strength training, so I'll vacillate between doing ultras only and then lifting. <laughs> and when I started realizing, like I trained real hard for this one race and got hurt in it and uh, basically had to build myself back up from scratch. And uh, when I set out to do a bunch of these ultra marathons in a row, I started doing way more strength. I almost, I did less running than I did previously, but I did more strength training and I realized like, oh, this is what I was missing from a lot of my my stuff and uh, the benefits I got from 
adding strength training into my running training program was like way less injury issues, like overall just more balance with all my legs because I'm a very like quad and calf heavy runner. (laughs) I think it's from running like slow, long distances and then just doing like deadlifts and squats to like really like get everything else like pulled back in really changed my ability to kind of endure and then just be way more resilient from a like an injury perspective because I had the the strength. I, I felt like I was running off a lot of muscle and uh, being purposeful about that was really, really helpful. Yeah. yeah. And like for a long race, like ultras, you have to, it comes to a point like you, it's hard to just to keep a proper running gait. Yeah. So you just, you have to have the strength, you have to have the balance to, and for 400k, I have to be really strong. It's not about just endurance and uh, be able to run. Like it comes to a point like your body is gets so tired and gets weak mm-hmm. and you're hurting, but you still have to be able to carry yourself <laughs> like over this distance on your feet. So now I'm a, I'm a big fan of doing quite a lot of strength work for something like this. But of course, if you're doing some fast like races with more faster running, like you, you just have to balance it. But for me, I did more flatter running, so I was spending less time running, uh, still running maybe 100, 130K a, a week, and then adding strength work. I was doing a lot of like sauna training. That was this uh, the extra, extra work. So with a full-time job, I was just training, working, sleeping. <laughs> so you mentioned that, and I thought that was one of the, interesting things. I didn't know exactly what the situation was, but you have a full-time job while you're running ultra marathons around the world on occasion. What's that like and how do you manage to do that? Yeah, you have to be very lucky with your employer and and you have to have, like, of course, my job can be flexible. Like there are some points where there's more stress and more assignments or so on. For me, like the training part is difficult to fit in all the proper training and because you want to be focused on your races, but still you have to do your job very well. (laughs) I make it work somehow and uh, where I work, I get some flexibility because I'm an ultra marathoner and and I want to be competitive. So I have to have the, the flexibility to able to maybe travel, but still I just have to do what I have to do. Yeah. I think it's interesting to talk to people who are doing things that you're doing and doing things that like just figuring out that's what I want to do and I'm going to figure out however to make it work because there's a lot of ways you can have a job and you can say, hey, I want to do this one thing. I want to run ultra marathons. I want to surf. I want to do whatever, but I have this job and it doesn't let me do it. And, And then that's it. And you give up the dream or you just don't let yourself do it. But I'm always impressed and I I like hearing people's stories when they're just like, well, yeah, I want to do that. So I'm going to make everything else in my life around doing that. Just interviewed Hadar and we were talking about, you know, he got a shift job for a little bit and it gave him flexibility and time to be like, hey, you know, I'm going to work a couple of days in a row, but then I'm going to get three days off to be able to go do a surf trip or something like that. And it's like, whatever you got to do to make it work. If you want to make it work, you can make it work. You just have to like actually put in the effort to rearrange things or be ready for the work when it piles on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Of course, you have to be a bit selfish in this. Like if you're 
a competitive athlete, it's a big priority for you. Yeah. Like just to get the daily training in, you have to do it. Like if you don't, then. Have you been there for a while? Have you been at the university for a while? Uh, this is my third year. Okay. But before I had more more flexibility. Okay. So I kind of used to like being able to go for a week here and there to travel and uh, also being able to make running a big part of my life. Yeah. So I'm used to like every day you're out there running and or training. It's uh, yeah. yeah, it's hard to change it. <laughs> Even though you have a big task, you will take this hour and do the, the workout. The task can wait. Nobody's going to die. Yeah. Like you can finish it tomorrow. So you have to have the consistency. Yeah. If you have the consistency, you can, you make everything else work, yeah. even though you have a full-time job. You mentioned uh, coming back from Gobi before the podcast, I think yeah. we were talking about you. you would come back from Gobi and you just did this big thing and then you're like thrown back into work and you're like, I got this whole pile of work from, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like a week and a half or two weeks of being gone. What's that like? And then how do you, how do you manage that without like having all of your athletic accomplishments kind of go by the wayside? Honestly, I would recommend that you to take two weeks off after the race. Like if someone is going to do that, don't get back straight into the office like a week after. Take some time off. But it worked out and uh, I was just so high up there and uh, with the work and also with uh, I got a lot of attention for doing this yeah. like here in Iceland. And so I was doing also some interviews and like answer a lot of questions about the race. So even though they aren't big tasks, but when you're really tired, you haven't slept. It's just you, your head is exploding. <laughs> but it was fun. Like really, I will remember these weeks forever. Has the race changed anything from a like a career and from an athletic opportunity perspective? I'm not sure yet. Okay. But it definitely hasn't changed me like as a person. But still, I even can't believe myself that I was able to do this and just... And I really want to do it again. Oh, you're going to go back. I'm not sure. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> now. But still, I really enjoyed this experience. And to be honest, even though I've been running these races for many years now, and people in the running community in Iceland, they, they know me. And uh, I've tried to be like some leader in this sport here in Iceland. But this is the first time I've been like world famous in Iceland, yeah. you know, <laughs> for doing this ultra Gobi race. I'd never like imagined that the attention it would get to finish these 400 Ks. I just went into a race like any other race I've done. How many how many people were in the race? Uh 60. Okay. It's like a boutique. It's hard quite, to get in. It's a, you yeah. have to like reserve. I've, yeah. I've looked at the race before in the yeah, past. It's, yeah, it's I don't understand it completely. I was one of the invited athletes to do this. And I'm so grateful to yeah. be one of those people. It's harder for uh, international runners to get in. I think there's reserve maybe 40, 50 places for Chinese runners. Okay. I'm not sure, but if you have the chance to do the ultra copy, I definitely recommend it. I had no idea what it would be. I was so scared because I prefer the mountain running and this was just completely flat. Really? Yeah. Do you find that race taught you anything that you haven't learned in other races? Uh, yeah, I think you can do the impossible. Yeah. 
There you go. <laughs> you can, there yeah, you go. Yeah, exactly. You can have a lot of fun doing something like crazy and tough, like a race like this. You can really push yourself. Yeah. Do you have any other races that you've, you know, you mentioned you're like, oh, I really want to go back to Gobi. Is Gobi going to be the thing that you find yourself keep coming back to? Or are you going to get into, you know, other... I really want to try more of the States races. Earlier this year, I had decided to maybe stop doing these 100, 100 mile races, the long races, focus more on shorter distances, like faster running, and look into the, the States races. That's when you like, you're able to cover the long distances in like exotic locations, but you get some rest in between. It's like, it's not easier, it's just different. And you get more time, like like when you're doing a hundred mile race, it's just you come there, the race starts, it takes maybe twenty four thirty something hours, yeah. and it's just finished, yeah. and you go back home and it's it's more suffering, you don't enjoy it as much, but in the stage races you these are often very competitive races, yeah, but still it's it's broken up a little bit it's broken yeah. up. And you get like a whole week of running, getting to know like new people and like you're racing for a whole week, yeah. right? like a racing hard for a whole week yeah. with some breaks in between. I think it's very interesting. Do you have any specific races picked out? No, but I thought that I would never like do some desert races. Yeah. But... You really like them? Yeah, I think I, think I wanted to like go to... These deserted places, either maybe in Mongolia or Africa. Okay. How do you do in the heat? I'm okay in the heat. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I've learned that doing heat acclimatization, like in the sauna, really works. Yeah. And it's also good for your endurance. Yeah. I need to do way more heat training because I fall apart in the heat. Put me in the cold, fine. Everything's good. Heat, I did a race in Thailand and I just just ate me alive yeah and it also depends on the humidity if it's humid it's gonna i haven't tried that so and you have to spend time in like these humid saunas yeah not in the dry finish saunas yeah like the uh the steam rooms steam rooms yeah. yeah 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 you have to do that have you uh there's a race called the red bull axe alps it's so uh, the fire and ice ultra mm-hmm. here in iceland is one of the ones that is like on my I want to go check it out. The other one is uh, the Red Bull X Alps, and it's an ultra marathon and paragliding race across the Alps. So you like run a bunch and then you paraglide and then you run a bunch and then you paraglide and you do that like literally across like the Alps mountain range. And I don't even know how to paraglide very well, but it looks really interesting. I'm like, maybe I'm going to have to learn how to paraglide in order to do that race. But it's like, it's an invite only race and you somehow have to get into it. So that's one of the ones that's always piqued my interest. And I think that's like a stage type okay. thing. Yeah. But that's like a whole different skill set that you have to add in. <laughs> it's like an adventure racing. Yeah. Do you have any other like races that you've looked at? Like there's what, the Sahara? Yeah, the, they have the the Marathon de Sable yep. in Morocco. And then they have some races in Chile. In Patagonia, Argentina, like I'm trying to pick like next year. I want to do one great exotic race. This wasn't the race in the planet, race in the deserts, four deserts. 
There's Racing the Planet, which is four deserts. Yeah, in the Gobi, in yeah. the Mongolia. Okay. But this is in, this is in China, okay. so it's a different race, but they're both in the Gobi Desert. But I definitely want to do, like, find something like Gobi or some, like, exotic yeah. desert race for next year, even, like, if I put out the cost myself or not. Yeah. Like, I want to... Because it's also traveling. It's also see some places and... Is there anything right now that's like scaring you as far as uh, races or like next, next big leaps that you want to do? Something like a goal or you know, uh, either like a goal or like the next part of like your running career or like uh, or just a new race that's coming up. I don't know. Like Put, now, putting you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, you are. Now I'm definitely at the low. Like this is the low time of the year okay like it's becoming into winter there's no race <laughs> on the schedule for this year and uh, just finished this big race so so now i'm starting to look at things and, and see where I, I want to go and uh, i think i want to as soon as possible i want to put the next race like on the schedule maybe i will do the hong kong hundred again okay it's in late january and it's 100k so it's not too hard, it's not too technical, quite easy to train for in Iceland. You can just be on the treadmill. <laughs> you don't have to be running outside a lot yeah. because it's not like mountainous. I think I want to find a, a race that scares me. Okay. Maybe not like in the Arctic, in the cold, but I'm looking at things, definitely looking looking at things and uh, maybe not 400k long, but in the long category yeah the, the 200 mile races yeah in the US maybe in the u.s they, they look interesting like the moab yeah 240 the one around lake tau those are all done by candace right like those are all candace's races i think so okay. yeah yeah that those look nuts they're, yeah it's like they're the, getting crazy the 200 is the new 100, 100 yeah, yeah. and it's scary because <laughs> i don't know if it's it's a good thing that people are moving up to 200 miles have you seen the uh I don't know why I'm bringing this up. There's an ultra running memes Instagram account. Yeah. I don't even have any references to it right now, but if you guys are listening, you should check out ultra running memes. They're really way too relatable if you've done any sort of ultra marathon running. And you're just like, yep, I've been there. I've thought that. Uh huh. It's funny how every time you're like, oh yeah, 100 miles is really far. Okay, there's a 240 mile race now. <laughs> yeah. Now you can't feel good about your 100 mile race. Just keep going. <laughs> Yeah, yeah there's always things. a longer race and people here like my friends and uh, that are not in ultra running community they're like whoa you did the longest race in the world i'm like nope <laughs> no, you have no idea <laughs> nope it was long but not the longest <laughs> what's next for you is uh you just kind of taking a downbeat while uh breathing for the winter here or what's the do you have anything specifically on the agenda or are you just kind of looking at what's coming up. I'm definitely taking some time off now. It's like off season. I will start running tomorrow. Yeah. And it will be like like a month after I finished. So it's a good time to start like doing some easy running and see how the body feels. And I hope like in in three weeks I would be able to like start some proper training, structured training with hills and long runs. So I I will be ready for maybe a 100k race in uh, late January. Well, keep me posted on yeah. where you end up and what <laughs> yeah, you're running. Yeah. And if there's any new cool races I need to check out, I've been taking a 
took yeah, this year off yeah, mostly. But and, and if there are uh, some people listening and, and if they have some recommendations, yeah. put some crazy ideas in my head. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Once you start going down this rabbit hole, it doesn't end. It doesn't end at all. Nope. So. And I hope it will never end. Yeah. Cool. Any other any other last thoughts that you've got for people? As people are thinking about ultra marathons, if people are thinking about doing some crazy, maybe they're not signing up for a 400k race, but doing something crazy. Any thoughts? Ah, uh, yeah. For people like if you want to go into the ultra running scene, it's just or start doing ultra runs. It's just take things easy. Every race that you finish is a good race. You don't have to start doing the big races. Just like for me, it's been like a more than 10 years journey. And now I'm running 400k race. So just yeah. take it easy and uh, don't jump to the craziest, most difficult ones. Take it slowly and you will enter. You will get there. It's funny how much farther you can go when you slow down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, both like in a race perspective, but also in like a, like from a goal perspective, like you can go a lot faster if you're not getting injured all the time. Like yeah. eventually, like you can train up and get way stronger if you're not just over. Yeah, overdoing it all the time and yeah. a lot of people think you're like oh you're running xyz miles you've got to be going your marathon pace the whole time it's like well some guys are and they're insane and they're crazy and they're killing it the whole time they're finishing their 100 miles at like 100 miles at like six minute paces but you know a lot of times like you're slowing down or you're doing mountainous climbs and all sorts of stuff and it's like if you take it easy you're smart about it you can do a lot yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just, just the thing with ultra running, the key is to stay healthy. The key is to stay, keep injuries away. So take it slowly. Just do one 50k race the first year, and then maybe two 50ks, and then you can move to the 100k. And uh, yeah, don't do it too fast. But you will get to the 100 mile race eventually. You will get there if you get hooked. You will. So just stay healthy and and. I don't have a bucket list. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have a bucket list? So I have something called an impossible list. Impossible. Okay. Which is like in a bucket. So it's not a bucket list, but people confuse it for a bucket. A bucket list is something that people write down at one time and then they're like, oh, this is my list. And then most people don't ever even knock anything off it. So the impossible list for me is like, what can I do right now? That seems like really hard or really maybe impossible. And then I go do it. And then once you do it, you realize, oh, I can do way more than that. I thought that was impossible and now I can go do more. And so then you kind of revise your list and you say, what else can I do? And so it's like you do a 50K and you're like, oh, I can do that. I thought that was hard, but I can definitely do that now. So what else can I do? And then you say 100K. So Yeah, it's like a journey. journey, And you want to enjoy the journey. It's, It's hard work, but still you want to enjoy the moment in between. And it's not about taking boxes so so for me it's just i don't have a list i don't put too much pressure on me i have to finish this before i'm something yeah it's just one thing at a time of course i have some vision of where i want to go and what i want to do but just focus on one uh, goal at a time if people want to find out more about you or follow along in your adventures what's the best way for them to pay attention I'm not big on social media, but I have an Instagram account. Okay. So it's just Elizabeth M. And I'll link to that in the show notes. Thank you. So that's where I post a lot. And I also have a Facebook page. Okay. If you want to follow my races. Okay. Cool. And uh, we will be following. We'll pay attention. And uh, (laughs) if you end back up at Gobi, we'll have to 
tag along and, and see what's going yeah, on. So maybe. Yeah. It sounds like you're hooked. It sounds like you're definitely going back. Yeah, I think so. I miss it. I miss the desert. I don't want to be be in Iceland. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I had a great time and uh, it's fun hearing about your races and how you keep pushing. So we will be in touch and uh, we'll check back and see what races you're on to next. Thank you. Hey, everybody. That's it for today's show. I want to say thanks to Elizabeth for coming on. She has been awesome to follow as an ultra runner, and it's cool to see ultra running take off in Iceland. So congrats to her on her race, her win, and thanks for coming on the show. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, the best way to help us reach more people is to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you're enjoying the podcast. If you're not, send me an email. Tell me what I can do better. But it is the number one way we reach more people on the podcast. And I'd really appreciate it if you took the five seconds that I went over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify and uh, leave a review and let people know what you think about the pod. Also, it's the last week to pick up your sweat-activated Impossible shirt. Check it out at impossiblegear.com. Again, the shirt is blank on the front with impossiblehq.com on the back. When you sweat, when you work out, the Impossible logo is activated. You'll see the Impossible logo come through. And then on the back, the quote, it always seems impossible until it's done, will show up. It's pretty awesome. I'm excited about it. And you get it on the pre-order for the rest of the week. So check it out at impossiblegear.com and get yours today. Also, check out movewellapp.com, 10-minute mobility routines designed to help you get stronger, recover from injury faster, and start moving well. It's the number one way that you can start feeling better, start performing better, and even if you're just sitting down and working a lot on your new startup, your new business, your side hustle, uh, you're probably not moving enough. So 10 minutes of mobility can do a lot to help make you feel better. Make sure you're taking care of your body, even if you don't have a major race or specific fitness goal coming up. So check it out, movalapp.com. It's free to download, and we have a bunch of new stuff coming along the way with Movewell, so stay tuned for that. Other than that, that's all I've got for this week. So if you guys, again, you can check that out at movalapp.com. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. If you guys haven't subscribed already, go ahead on over to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. Leave a rating review, and I've got another episode coming your way, same time, same place. But until then, keep pushing your limits and do something impossible.